Everybody out this morning. I, I just thought of those words in that song: "How, how praying rests the weary." It says, "So we'll take a little rest and we'll pray right now." <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank for thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning, and we thank you for this time we can be together. We ask that Thy hand would be over. Over us this morning, over us with this baptizing, this new little girl that is coming into our lives. Bless her, bless her family with all those blessings and promises that are all throughout the word for the believer. And watch over us all. We ask that this... We could remember this election coming up in these troubled times. Give us strength and give us an understanding and a stability to know what to do and, and carry on with life, no matter what which way this, this turns out. Be with the leaders of our nations. Be with the leaders of our churches, our schools, 
our communities. Watch over us all. We pray for rain. We've had many, many dry weeks here. And we pray for the rain of the water of the word to come down upon us. Pray for our brother who speaks this morning. Open this word to him. Open this word to each of us that with our troubles and trials and joys in life and needs we have, that this word could fulfill all things. We ask thee to watch over this service. Keep, keep your hand over us and that we could live, live in the shadow of thy wings. Hear us now as we pray together that most perfect prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. For as much as, for as, much as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and thus death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. By nature we are all therefore the children of wrath, and have come short of the glory of God. But as through one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness, unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. It is therefore most neat and right that in obedience to his commandments and trusting in his promises, we bring our children to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ has himself instituted holy baptism, saying to his disciples, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This comforting gospel from the 10th chapter of St. Mark assures us that God hears our prayers and graciously receives children. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Our Father, return in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Let us hear the Christian faith that our Church confesses, and into which this child is to be baptized. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Thou who lovest children, and therefore bade them to come unto thee, thou who placed thy hand upon them, and blessed them, saying, Theirs is the kingdom of God. We pray thee, look graciously upon this child, who also needs thy holy blessing, that as she has been baptized in, the holy na- in thy holy name with water, and that she also, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may prosper and grow, and be filled with all good gifts to thy honor and glory. Thou who reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, world without end. Amen. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear friends, your witnesses that this child has been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Therefore I exhort you, parents and godparents, early to teach this child to keep that which our Lord Jesus Christ in his word has commanded us, so that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of God and our Redeemer Jesus Christ, abiding in this covenant wherein God in his grace has received her to the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. To that end may God give you his grace. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The peace of God be with you. Shall we continue with 
that the lessons on patience would someday come to an end before I die, but it probably won't. But it amazed me how often you'd be holding some child and they seem to be solely focused on wiggling or making noise or something and yet 
all of a sudden they say something and you realize that they're listening. And I have people that say, well, you know, do they hear anything when they're sitting in service? And I can say from experience, they do. And it, I think, is important that they hear this word, that it would be given that they could be fed, that undying portion could be given food and sustenance to carry on. We know that there is so much in the world and the devil is so busy trying to distract all of us. And I would hope that we could all pray and continue to be thankful that God puts a importance that we would come even at this time on, as we do traditionally Sunday morning and hear the word and that we could, it would be important to us and that we could bring these little ones that they could see that there is an importance to it and that we would pray that we could be fed. For a text this morning, I will turn to the Gospel of John, to the third chapter. I struggled a little bit to know where to begin and end this. Some of it is extremely, well, probably all of it's familiar, and some of it's probably one of the most quoted verses that we have. I will read, I'll start right at the beginning, and I will read through... 21st verse. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou dost except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind Bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do, we we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Amen. This man, Nicodemus, he comes here to Jesus. And he is questioning and he makes that acknowledgement that he has seen these miracles that Jesus done and he has to acknowledge that he has to be of God. I believe if we turn to the end of, I should be able to turn to it but I can't, but he is one of the ones I believe that comes in the one gospel that mentions him as coming with um Oh goodness, my mind goes. Joseph, yeah, and begs the body of Jesus and buries him. So we see here that it isn't a bad thing to question what Jesus says and those things if we do it from a point of desiring the truth. Or that we do it from a point of desiring that Jesus would reveal himself and what his purpose is and reveal his mercy to us. If we are doing it as many of the Pharisees did, from a point of trying to, if I say, undermine him or negate him or make him what he says seem wrong, we see that there is no blessing in that. And we see, and I don't know why this thought comes to my mind in saying this, but I guess just in those things there, it says he's a Pharisee here, and we know how often the Pharisees came and did exactly what I just said, that they questioned Jesus trying to find fault with him. We see that it isn't in many cases the action, it's the motivation behind the action. And if there is the right motivation, there is blessing. And if there is the wrong motivation, there is no blessing. And I think that it is good that we would do things and that we would do it humbly and that we would do it with the desire that we could learn the truth of what God has done for us. Nicodemus comes here and he asks these questions and Jesus says that verse that we find is so often quoted, Barely, barely I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And here we see one of the places where in the New Testament that there is, and not that they in some parts aren't somewhat used interchangeably, 
But we see that there is a difference oftentimes between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And just in simplistic terms, I would say that quite often if we read about the kingdom of heaven, it is speaking about this natural church in this world. We see that there was good fish and bad fish and that there was wheat and there was tares when it speaks about the kingdom of heaven. But when it speaks about the kingdom of God, even as here, it says that you must first be born again before you can even see the kingdom of God. We turn to Romans and, and it it tells us a little bit more there about the kingdom of God. It says, 14th chapter, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. We understand that to sustain natural life, we need to eat and we need to drink. Someone could live for, well, we read about Isaiah, that he spent two years walking around with no clothes on. We can do that. If we might not live very long in our winters, but it is possible. But if we don't eat or drink, we very quickly pass away. So we see that he is taking something that is important to natural life. And he says the kingdom of God doesn't have anything to do with even the things that are important in this natural world. He says, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it isn't just righteousness, peace, and joy, but it is those things because of the Holy Ghost abiding in a heart. And Jesus says that we must be born again even to enter into there and to even see that. And we understand it's true. Jesus just before he was put on the cross, he tells his disciples that he will reveal himself to his children, but not to the world. And they ask, how can that happen? Well, as Christians, we begin to see how it happens, because the kingdom of God and the revelation of Christ is through the Spirit. And it is the revelation of the heart. It isn't something natural. The disciples even, it would appear right up until the time that he was put on the cross, and maybe even while he was on the cross, they still had in their, their head that he had came here to set up a natural kingdom. They didn't understand that it was something much more important and much bigger than that. And that it was something that it was a kingdom that we enter spiritually. And we see that because of the question that Nicodemus came, had, and because he came to Jesus with a humble heart, I would say, Jesus answers him and speaks about the kingdom of God and about new birth. And the reason that I point that out is because there's many that came and questioned Jesus about heaven and salvation and he asked them, well, what does the law say? And the rich young ruler, I believe it is, he says, well, it says this, and Jesus says, well, there you go. He said, well, I've done all those things. What am I lacking yet? Jesus doesn't say anything about the law to Nicodemus here. He points to the Spirit. <clears throat> 
We see here Nicodemus, his humanness, and I think we can all relate. He says, said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? From natural reasoning, this is a perfectly legitimate question. As a Christian, when we understand about spiritual new birth, we see that it, it almost looks ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, the, the fact of trying to be born naturally the second time. But when I read this, I guess it once again shows to me the patience and mercy that our God has for us. We can ask seemingly foolish questions, but if it, we do it humbly and actually looking for the truth, he patiently just answers us. Jesus answers him. He says, Verily, verily, I stand to thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We have people, and we baptize this little one here this morning with water, and there's so many thoughts about it. And there's people who take this here and, and say that it is necessary. But I believe that even if we turn into Peter, and it speaks about those things that, that testify in this world, sorry, in John, I think it is. It says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. It says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, and there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. I believe that this is a place where we know how often Jesus even speaks. If we turn a couple chapters here in John, he talks to the woman at the well and speaks about that living water that will flow from one who is a child of God. And I believe that that is what it is speaking about, that this living word, which is made alive through the Spirit, it touches a heart and it brings life. It is needed that this word would be made alive in a heart and in a mind. And it is the Spirit of God that has the ability to do that. Yes, we do, and I would encourage all of us to be willing and quick to share God's word with people, share the gospel message. And as we get down here further, we see even Jesus refines it a little more about what we are to share. We share this word. And I would hope that we would do it, that we could do it humbly, and that we would do it that the Spirit is moving us. Because when the Spirit moves us to move, to share the Word of God, it becomes living, and it becomes that water of life, and it can work in a heart. It can work in the heart to bring rebirth. They, they are dead in sins and trespasses, and it can bring life. It speaks about that first resurrection. 
that he who takes part in the first resurrection, the second death, has no power. It, it is the most miraculous and wonderful thing that we as Christians can share with someone. That that spirit that is in them, that is dead because they've not turned to God and have tried to deal with their sin or not deal with it in their human reasoning. But when we can turn to God through Christ, and that word can work, it can bring life. And it is that that Jesus points Nicodemus to. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And there we see the difference that there is, even in each and every individual living human, there is those two portions. There is that natural flesh and there is that spirit. And it, yes, we have these little children, and we understand how important it is to feed them, to care for them. If we don't, they would very quickly die because they are, are completely helpless when they're born. They have the ability to complain that they're not being fed or that there is some problem. And that is almost it. And we as parents, we care for them. And I think that it is good that we also remember and are very attentive to remember that not only is there that natural portion, but there is that spiritual portion. And that we would, and that we would encourage others to care for that undying portion. That we would share with them the message of what Christ has done for us. And that it is important. And yes, life seems quite long when we are little, when we are young. It seems that there's a long period to look forward to. And there may be in natural terms in some, but even the longest natural life is very short compared to eternity. And we as Christians have the privilege to understand that we can spend eternity with God. And we know from this word what it is that God desires and requires of us. One, he requires perfection. But he very quickly shows us, and if we look into the word at all, we see that we fail constantly at being perfect. We can't get to heaven by being perfect. We're complete failures. I say this maybe quite often, but Adam and Eve were given one, if I say rule, and they failed at that. We can look and there's the Ten Commandments, and that's just the beginning of the things that we would be required to live perfectly at to enter heaven. God knew that. He didn't give us that law to so he could get up there and say, ha ha, see you, you, you're just failures. It was so that we could recognize that quickly and turn to Christ. 
He didn't do it out of spite. He did it because he loves us and wants us to turn our reliance and our faith in Jesus, to Jesus. Because Jesus, he was the one who was able to come and live it perfectly, to walk constantly from the time he came into this world till the time he left this world in the will of God. It, if I look at it with my natural mind, it seems almost unbe- hard to imagine when I recognize how my flesh, how contrary it is to God's will so often. And yet, he came and walked perfectly, paid for our sin, rose from the dead and said, my righteousness can be yours. You simply believe that. We call it the greatest gift that man has received, and it is. Simply faith that Christ did it for me. And for you, and for anyone we're talking to. There's no one that God left out that Jesus didn't pay for it. <clears throat> Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Nicodemus still has questions. And I guess because they came here so often it just strikes me that it isn't that we can't question things I know people that they say well this is what it is and if you question them well you just have to believe that yes we need to believe but it isn't that we can't question God's word can stand up to questioning God can stand up to questions We see that Jesus even was able to answer, as I already mentioned, those Pharisees that were doing it from, if I say, poor motivation. God's word will stand up to human questioning. God doesn't want us to not question. Because if we don't question, we can't. We don't have answers when someone may come and ask us why we believe how we do. Why it is that we would put our trust in somebody dying 2,000 years ago. What, What is the point to that? But if we've looked into the word of God, we find that there is answers to these questions. I was talking with someone the other day and they were speaking about the situation they were in and well it was in the church setting and and there was some problems and they mentioned how it had made them question some things and look into the word of God for answers and we don't want problems but the trouble is that wherever there's human beings even if there's two of us that are (coughs) quite similar and have Um, are good friends, there's differences of opinions. And people can have different views and and 
doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. But as much as we don't want conflict, we see that God can use it for good. It is a good thing if we look into this word for answers. We may find that our opinion doesn't line up with the word of God. Or maybe we find that our stance does line up in the word of God and we don't have to say, well, this is what I think. We can simply say, here's what God says about this. I have to agree with it. It's the beauty of knowing and looking into the word of God. It doesn't make us a better Christian, but it does give us a better foundation to stand upon. It says we are to judge all things. And I would say we are to use the word of God to judge all things, that we can give the right verdict on an answer to whatever the question may be. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? He was a Pharisee, and we, we know from history that they were extremely learned men. And they dedicated their lives to knowing the word of God. But we see here the difference between knowing what the word of God says and the word of God being made alive through the Spirit in a heart. We can know this Word of God and, and what it says, but when the Spirit reveals and, and makes it alive, there is a difference. Jesus says these things to Nicodemus, and they don't make any sense, because the Spirit had not revealed and opened what Jesus was saying. And it is even why we pray and why I ask, even at the beginning of the sermon, that your prayers would be there, that the Spirit would open the Word. And that it would open our hearts to receive it. It isn't in my ability to bring out something. Yes, we can get up and there's men who have great oratory skills and they can speak powerfully. And once in a while we find where God allows someone who has those skills to also be moved by the Spirit to speak. And, and it's powerful and we can be thankful. But it doesn't take that for the Spirit to put words in a mouth. All it takes is the willingness for us to share that word. And here we see someone who, he's a leader in Israel, he's well versed in the word of God, and he doesn't understand how God truly works. <clears throat> Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. I believe that this is something that it is important for us to look at this verse and consider it. Jesus is telling us as Christians what it is that we are to share. He said we speak what we do know and testify what we have seen. And I've said it and I know other people have said it and it is just true. 
I've heard people say that if you don't know what else to say, simply share what Christ has done for you. Why? Because we know that. We have experienced it. It isn't something that we read about in the Bible. It is what we have experienced. We know what Christ has done for our heart. I know for myself, and maybe all of us, or most of us, have experienced it too. When we've been in a sermon, and the ministers got up and... I struggle to use this word because where it's used so often, it, it annoys me. But anyway, sorry. Just my thoughts come up quick. They give the testimony of what Christ has done for them. And oftentimes they're some of the simplest and yet powerfulest sermons that I've listened to. Because they're simply sharing the truth that they know. And Jesus is telling here, that's what we're to do. We're to speak about what we know. We know the truth of that. And it is why it says that the... <coughs> um, oh, goodness. The, care, the person who looks after the vineyard must be first partaker of the fruit. It's meaning that we have had to experience new birth, as it says here. We have, we have had to experience repentance. We have to be born again before we can share it with someone else. Or what are we sharing? Something that's just a theory that we've read about? No, we share what we know and what we've experienced. It's interesting though, what he says. And ye receive not our witness. It doesn't mean because we're sharing the absolute truth and we know it to be truth because we have experienced it that people are just going to accept it. There are those who aren't going to like it. There are people who will be very upset with it. <clears throat> Let's not just give up if we get a poor reaction. My thoughts go to the story about when, and I don't know, maybe I talk about this too much but it is something that I have to admit I marvel at and it's the story in the Old Testament where they, the children of Israel attacked this, the Benjamites and God tells them to go and do it and they attack them and they're defeated dreadfully, twice they go the first time God says yep, they're defeated, they go the second time God tells them to, they're defeated and they're feeling quite discouraged, it would appear. God says, yes, go again. And they go and they win the battle. And they destroy the enemy. And I think we can apply it to this here. God, Jesus is saying, share what you know. Tell of your experience with others. But he doesn't promise. He says, instead of saying that it will be blessed and people will come flocking to me, he says, there are those who aren't going to receive it. Don't be discouraged by that. It doesn't mean that there's a problem with the message, or it doesn't mean that there's a problem with what Christ has done for you. It means that human nature is human nature, and it rejects God. And don't be discouraged by that. 
just continue to share what God has done for you and leave the result that increases, Paul says, to God. He says that one seeds and one waters, but God gives the increase. It's how it is. We can't make things grow. We can't even make a natural plant grow. We can put it in the soil, we can water it, we can put it in the sunshine, and even then sometimes we fail, but if it grows, it's not us putting the life there. We can't take a little seed and make it that there's life in it. But God can. And he can do it when we share the water of this word. When we share that meat of what Christ has done for us. That body of Christ. We do those things. Jesus said, And no man hath entered up, so no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. We can't go to heaven in our natural being. Paul, we know, was given a revelation of it. It would have sounded like. But Jesus was there. He was in heaven. And he came down and he tells us. We are to share that message that he shared with us. He came and it is recorded in the Gospels. There's prophecies in the Old Testament. The epistles that Peter and James and Paul write, they speak of what Christ needed for us to know. We can just trust in them. It says, even the Son of Man which came down from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven. That he could bring that message of salvation to us. That we could hear it, that we could believe it, that we could become the children of God. Says, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We know that story about the children of Israel. They were in the wilderness, and God sent fiery serpents among them, and they were biting them, and people were dying. And they come and Moses goes and asks God what he should do. And God says, make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole and whoever looks at it will live. And it's interesting, I find, how it was that the very thing that was causing them the most, well, the, the problem, is what God had him put on that they would look at. Jesus came down in human flesh, which is what causes us our problem. We're human flesh. And he was put on a cross and we were to look to him. And I heard someone mention, this is years ago, but it has stuck with me, how it, how it is so contrary to our natural reasoning. We understand that there's, I'll say, snakes on the ground that are going around, they're biting people, they're causing, obviously, pain and even death. And we think about all the things in the world that are around there that that would be there that we would try to avoid. We think that, well, the first thing is to avoid getting bit by a serpent, so we pay attention to that. 
No, Moses tells him, and God told Moses to tell him, just simply look to the one that's up on the pole. We're not going to be saved or get to heaven by avoiding all the pitfalls that are in this world. We do it by looking to Christ. Yes, it is good that we don't just go into whatever worldly thing or sin or whatever and not worry about it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if we put our focus on avoiding those things, it leads to death. If we put our focus on Christ and go towards Him, there is life there. And salvation. And even our natural life is better. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we can turn to the end of these Gospels and see that that is what happened. He was put on a pole. And the ones that were there looked on him. We are able to spiritually look at what happened there. And we even have the benefit of seeing the results of it. That he was resurrected. And it tells us he sits on the right hand of God making intercession for us, speaking to God about us and our failures. He has experienced them. It says he was tempted in all things as we were, as we are, I mean. That's almost hard for me to believe some days. There's so many things that tempt the flesh. And there's so many people. It... it, it can get tedious in a trial, and I, I sometimes it's partly joking to say to people, it's such a frustrating thing being a human being, and it can be. God knows that. Jesus experienced it in the flesh. <clears throat> he overcame it, and he is speaking on our behalf. And we have the privilege of knowing that. And that is where we are to put our focus. There's going to be trials in this life. There is no place in the Bible that says, go along, become a Christian, and everything is going to be trouble-free. No, we are natural beings. We are living in a natural world, and there are natural problems. But we as Christians have the privilege of knowing that the creator of the universe and this world and the creator of each of us knows us and cares and is concerned about our undying portion. And he cares about our walk. And if you don't believe that he cares, just read what Jesus did for you and for me. He cares. He says he knows about the hairs on our head, the number of them. He cares about a sparrow if it dies. And we are much more important than that, we are told. And we know it to be true. God cares for us. It says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There it is. So simple words. 
And yet we can take the whole Bible to try to elaborate on it and, and put meat on those bones that we could know more about how God accomplished that. That we simply need to believe in Christ. That eternal life can be ours. We know that there's that just two types of people that pass from this life. Those that are going to eternal life and those that are going to eternal death. And it tells us here how we can have eternal life. And we know how much our natural beings are adverse to natural deaths. How much more should we be focused on how we can avoid spiritual death and that we can experience spiritual eternal life? God tells us right there in simple terms that we believe on what Christ has done. It's that simple. And then we have the verse that is quoted so often. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have, eternal, have everlasting life. <clears throat> It is because God loved us that he did that. And we can be sure of that when we look at how much we have no ability to live up to the righteousness that God requires of us. God knew that. But because he loved us, he sent Christ that we simply have to believe what Christ did. That he paid for our sins, that they are forgiven, and that we can believe them washed away. In his blood. The Bible tells us that that's how it is. They are forgiven. I have to be very careful saying this because sin is the problem. Sin has been the problem since Adam and Eve fell into sin. But sin no longer has to be the problem. I mean, unbelief in Christ is sin and, and that is what the problem is. It's paid for. What we have done and where we fail and all our shortcomings, the blood of Christ covers them. But if we can't believe that, there's the problem. Because we see it here. Believe. It says believe. How many times in this text? We're to believe what Christ has done. Believe it. It's why when... It strikes me so much if someone comes or if we come to someone and there's sin weighing on us and we confess, this is what I've done. Is there forgiveness for me? If someone comes to us, we don't say you're forgiven. Yes, they are forgiven, but it's a done deal. Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago. What do we say? We say, believe it forgiven. Believe your sins forgiven. Why? We have even reasons that someone can do that. Because of the blood of Christ and the power in his name. We can't forgive someone. Well, we can. Like if someone's done something to us, we can forgive them and we're encouraged to. And, and indeed we must. doesn't matter what it is. But the sin that we are 
we believe that it is covered by the blood of Christ. <clears throat> For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We see that Jesus tells all these things. And if someone doesn't believe in him, I guess I should read on. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We are condemned creatures because we fell into sin and we have inherited that from Adam. And if we don't believe in Christ, we're born condemned. We're born to die because we're human beings. And it says, by one man sin entered into the world. It is true. And we are sinful. But, if we believe on Christ, it says there's no condemnation. The condemnation that comes with sin is taken away because Christ paid for it. He says, here's my righteousness. Believe in it and take it for yourselves. We can believe in it. And the condemnation of sin is taken away. And we can live free and at peace with a good conscience before God. <clears throat> says, but he that believeth not already is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And there we see both sides of it. There's condemnation or there's not condemnation. There's not condemnation if there's faith in Christ, and there's condemnation if there's no faith in Christ. And we say that simple term that it's all in Christ, and it is. It's in what He has done. It is in faith in Him. And we trust that and believe it. Says, and this is the condemnation, that light came into the world, and man loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. There we see. We live in a dark world, and it is the light of Christ that gives light, and because it says that we are the light of the world, and it isn't because of who we are, it is because Christ dwells in our heart. That his light shines forth from us. And it is what we would desire. We wouldn't desire that people would look to us for anything, but that they would look to Christ in us for the answer to all their troubles. But that people don't want them. We know it for ourselves. If we've done something wrong, it isn't immediately that we want to go and tell others that. We want to, oh, cover that up. It's just our human nature. It's the nature of mankind. We don't want to come to the light and have those things exposed. But it is what we are encouraged to do. We're to walk in the light. <clears throat> says, but he that doeth truth cometh to his light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. If we put away those things, if we walk 
In truth, it says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we walk in the leading and guiding of Christ through the Holy Spirit, what we do, it said, it will be manifest that those things are works of God. We see the power of God, that he can take us failures as humans and through his spirit can accomplish his will. It's a miraculous thing. It is beyond my understanding, and yet it is true. And I've experienced it. May we turn and look to Christ and keep our focus on him and trust and put our faith in the truth of his word and the goodness of God's care for us and his faithfulness to guide us through his spirit. May God add his blessing to his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Shall we close with 
special congregation there.